0: Just on that then this is our last um, in our series on Acts, um, this side of Christmas. We will be continuing with Acts sometime in the spring. We've got another series lined up after Christmas, um, but we are going to come back to Acts. So we're stopping um, at this point, um, where in Acts 8, um, the church experiences persecution. The early believers um, are... Stephen, as we heard last week, is stoned to death, so the Christians at this point are in a very difficult point in the church, if you like, the church's growth, the church is um, outworking. And what we're going to be looking at this morning is dynamic growth. This whole series, we're looking at the dynamic outworkings of Acts and how the Holy Spirit has been poured out at the day of Pentecost, and we've been looking at this series and looking at how we as Christians can live a dynamic life as we serve and know God. So this morning we're going to look at dynamic growth. So I'm going to pray, if that's okay, um, as we look at the Word of God together. Father God, thank you for being with us by your Spirit. Thank you for this opportunity that we've had this morning to worship you to declare our praise, our worship, our adoration of you, the living God. Thank you that you are here by your spirit. And I just pray, Lord, as, as I share your word, that you would use my words to equip each one of us in all the things you've called us to be, all the things you've called us to do, Lord, that you would use... My words, Lord, to challenge us, to inspire us, to equip us, Lord, in our our walk with you. Thank you, Jesus, as we've just declared, that there is a victory in your name, that Jesus, you have won a victory on the cross, that Jesus, you are alive, that death no longer has any power, that Jesus, there is victory in your name. And I just pray this morning, just come by your spirit. Anoint the words that I speak, that, Lord, your words may go out, hearts may be changed, and our lives may be renewed as we serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we come to Acts 8 in our series. So, this is Make or break, if you like, for the Christian faith. In Acts 5, Gamaliel is one of the um, teachers in uh, the Sanhedrin. He was a teacher of Saul, um, before Saul converted to Christianity. And Gamaliel says about these group of Christ followers, if they are not of God... They will just fade away. But if they are of God, then there will be no stopping them. And as we know today, there is no stopping people filled with the truth of the gospel. There will be no stopping them. And we see in Acts 8 here, as they experience persecution, there is no stopping them, telling the wonders and the truth of the gospel. There's no stopping people of God who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Up to this point, the um, church has experienced actually quite a lot of growth, quite a lot of success. I'm sure if there was a business model, it would be like, oh, what, they, what can we learn from these people that just go on expanding and growing? You know, if we look at what we've, um, Acts 1 to 5 so far, since the day of Pentecost, you know, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were added to this followers of Christ. In Acts 2, 41, it talks about people being added daily to this early church. By Acts 4, verse 4, the number of men had grown to about 5,000. So we're seeing the church growing, this initial um, growth of the church. And then in Acts 5, 14, we read of more and more men and women believing in the Lord and were added to their number. So the story so far in these initial days are of growth, of dynamic growth, of people being added to the church, of people growing and the church growing. People are getting saved into the kingdom of God of heaven, people are being baptised, people are receiving the Holy Spirit, people are being healed and restored from demonic and physical conditions in the power of Jesus. God uses these early Christians to proclaim the name of Jesus and to bring about the growth of his church. But up to this point, it's only been in Jerusalem, only amongst the Jewish community, Those, if you like, who have had a a Masonic understanding of who Jesus represented, that there would be somebody that would come and redeem um, the people of God. But things begin to get uncomfortable for these converted Jews, as we have heard about the last couple of weeks. You know, in Acts 4, the apostles were brought before the Sanhedrin and put in jail overnight for proclaiming Jesus as resurrected from the dead. They were put in jail. They got released. Acts 5, Peter and other apostles get arrested and flogged and again released from jail. But consider it joy because they've been worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. And then we heard last week Stephen paying the ultimate price of losing his life. The first martyr of the Christian faith, killed for declaring Jesus as the one who'd come, the saviour, the one who'd come to redeem them. So at this point, this Christian community, this Christ-following band of believers, was no longer welcome in Jerusalem. It was no longer allowed to declare Jesus as Lord in the temple courts. Up to this point, they'd been going to the temple along with their fellow Jews and explaining to others that there was a man, Jesus, who people would have known about, that had died, that had risen, that was alive today. That's what they'd been saying to the people around them in the temple courts. And people are going, oh, wow, yeah, no, actually there's some truth in this. And become believers of Jesus and give their hearts to Jesus and start to believe that he is real. And then they get prayed for to be filled with the Spirit and they get filled with the Spirit as well. You know, we've got these thousands of people believing in Jesus, still being able to go to the temple courts. But no, no longer. The Sanhedrin are out to arrest them, to flog them, to put them in jail. They are no longer welcome. These people that have experienced the truth, the love of God through Jesus, they have to leave their homes. They have no choice. They have to go from Jerusalem to live out their newfound relationship and experience that they've just had of God. You know, our relationship with God is a personal one. It's one that we can know every day. It's one that we can turn to him every day. That's what these guys had discovered. It was an eternal truth that God actually loved them and he had come, Jesus had come into their hearts. These early believers had discovered that this temple curtain had been torn in two and that no longer a relationship with God, they needed to go into the temple to the Holy Holies that Jesus was now dwelling in their hearts. This is the truth of where these Christians were at. That's why they left Jerusalem. And I just want to read some of Acts 8 to you this morning. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit more after I've read some of Acts 8. So if you've got your Bibles with you, then please turn to it. Um, I'm going to be jumping around a bit in it, so I won't put it on the screen, but if you just listen and follow, as what happened. So in Acts 7, we heard last week that Stephen had just been stoned, and 8, chapter 8, verse 1 says, Saul was there giving approval to his death. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered. Throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who'd been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Wonderful, isn't it? These people come to faith Within weeks, months, you know, not very long space of time. And here they are scattering to Judea and Samaria and were preaching the word wherever they went. They are so caught up with this new life, this new life of being born again believers, of knowing Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And they can't help themselves but preach the truth wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria. So we get to hear now about one specific case, one particular person. Philip being one of the seven that was appointed to um, look after, wait on tables. And here he is now going down to a city in Samaria. And he proclaims the Christ there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, They all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. Wonderful. Praise God. Isn't that great? That people were set free in the name of Jesus. And then it says, So there was great joy in that city. Isn't that great? that there was great joy in a city. It doesn't say there was great joy amongst the church or just the people of God. There was great joy in that city. It was, a great, it was a citywide joy. There was a joy because people were experiencing not just the power of God, but they were coming into the kingdom of God, getting saved into the kingdom of God. And there was great joy in that city. I don't know about you, but... I don't sense as great joy in the cities around us at the moment, is there? There's not great joy. And I think when we see more of God's kingdom at work, we will see more joy in people's lives and in the cities and towns where we live. And then it goes on. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And then it goes on. They followed him, were amazed at him for a long time with his magic. But when they believed in Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they believed and they were baptized, both men and women. And Simon himself, interestingly, believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished, absolutely astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. So what he was seeing was the power of God at work in born-again believers, praying for people and seeing people set free. He was astonished at what he saw. Those things are no match for the power that he would have used before that point. They would have been so much greater. People set free to be all that they have been called to be in God. And he was astonished. And all this was going on, and the apostles that were still in Jerusalem, they heard about the things that were going on here in Samaria. And they heard that people had been accepting The Word of God. So, what they did was they sent Peter and John down to Samaria, put them on a train, and off they went. And when they arrived, they saw that people indeed were being set free. People were making commitments to follow Christ. So, when they arrived, they prayed for people that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit hadn't yet come on any of them. So here was Philip in Samaria. Now, if you know anything about Samaria, there aren't many Jews in Samaria. Samaria is full of Samaritans. And the Jews and Samaritans, they didn't get on very well. So here we have Philip in a completely strange and alien place, preaching the Word of God, preaching the gospel to people that really won't have the same understanding as the Jews in Jerusalem. So Peter and John are like, well, hold on a minute. What's going on here? So they come down, and they see people coming to faith. And they see people receiving the truth, the word of God. But they know, just previously, that there's more. And that is to be filled with the Holy Spirit are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Because being filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, I, I, this week, I have needed the Holy Spirit on lots and lots of occasions. The Holy Spirit, I have been drawing on the Holy Spirit more this past year, but particularly this past week, more than I think I ever have done. So often, we can live our lives in our own strength. But the Holy Spirit when we draw from the Holy Spirit, you will be enabled to do so much more than you can ever imagine or realize. And it's, it's becoming more instinctive for me to actually ask the Holy Spirit... How instinctive is it for you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you on a Monday morning as you go to work? As you're having a difficult relationship at work with somebody, as somebody winds you up and annoys you at work. How instinctive is it for you to go to the Holy Spirit and ask him for help? The Holy Spirit empowers the believers. And so Peter and John were here to pray for the Holy Spirit and for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus So Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw this, Simon the sorcerer saw this, he said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Now Peter could see that his motive was not one that was pure because he wanted it for himself and he wanted it to receive the power for himself. And Peter said, May your money perish with you because he thought you could buy the gift of God with money. And he tells him to repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord that perhaps he will forgive him for having such a thought in his heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Very astute of Peter to have noticed that about Simon. I sometimes wonder how astute we can be to things of the Spirit. And one of my prayers is that I would be more sensitive to where the Spirit is leading and speaking, that I might be more obedient to him. When they testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem and then interestingly, preaching the gospel in many villages on their way back to Jerusalem. So the, the word of God is going out in such a wonderful way in the surrounding Samaritan towns and villages. And then, in, and then it goes on. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian. And this Ethiopian was a um, somebody who was a God fearer, wasn't um, a Jewish uh, believer, but somebody who knew of God and um, d- chosen, if you like, to follow the Jewish faith. Was a God um, fearer, and he was reading the Book of Isaiah, and the Spirit. Here again, the Spirit leading Philip, and told him that um, he should go to this road, and he said to uh, Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. I mean, how many times does the Spirit lead you to situations like that? But you know what? I believe that the Spirit speaks to us all the time. The Spirit can lead us to situations like this. You know, Philip is no different to you and me. So Philip went to him, and um, this um, Ethiopian was, was reading Isaiah. And Philip said to him, Do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian said, How can I unless someone explains it to me? I love that. You know, again, you're meeting somebody on the train, and somebody's reading, you know, and they want you to explain something to them like this. It doesn't happen every day. Some of you might have testimonies of where you've been able to open the scriptures and lead people to faith on the train. I don't know. But it doesn't happen every day. But my desire is it happens more. I want to be on the train and somebody says to me, you know, what does this mean? As they open up, the chap- John's chapter 3. <laughs> that would be nice, wouldn't it? John three sixteen. But this is Isaiah. So here we have Philip. He knows the scripture. He knows Isaiah. And so this um, Ethiopian says to him, you know, can you explain this to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And he was reading the, the bit of scripture where it talks about, he was led like a, a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before the shearer is silent. Um, in his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak? For his life was taken from the earth. Now we all know, and we, I don't know how good you would be at explaining that to somebody and leading someone to faith. But Philip amazingly through the Holy Spirit I say amazingly but obviously it was God's Spirit leading him into this situation Um, and then the, the Ethiopian says tell me please who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else talk about a leading question and so Philip is then able to open the scripture up and the understanding to this Ethiopian and told him the good news about Jesus. And then the Ethiopian gets baptised and um, believes uh, it comes to faith. And, when, and he gets baptised. So when he came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord took Philip away and the Ethiopian did not see him again but went on his way rejoicing. You know, there's great rejoicing when someone comes to faith. There's great rejoicing when I came to faith, I was overjoyed for about two or three days, and then you sort of the world starts to sort of creep on on you again, and you sort of um, everything gets back to normal, as it were. But I was full of joy for three days, of knowing that my eternity was secure, of knowing that Jesus is alive. You know, it's a wonderful thing. You know, there is great joy to know Jesus. Do you know that joy? Are you living in that joy? Then if you're not, I'd encourage you to to find out how to to live in it. You know, there's joy in salvation. You know, there's a song um, we used to sing in the 80s about our first love being Jesus. You know, our joy comes because we know Jesus is our first love. We know that we are in Christ, our identity is in Christ, that we are chosen, that we are adopted. We are joyful because we have an eternal inheritance which is in Jesus. You know, do we, do we live in that? You know, how do people see you on Monday? I keep going back to Monday morning. My Monday morning is a day off, actually, so it's not possibly not quite the same. Yeah, oh, yes, that's <laughs> right. Um, yeah, but what do you like? You know, do you ooze joy when you spend time with people? You know, I, I like to think I do. I don't know. I like to think I do. But do you? You know, there's, there's a joy that, that, that God has for us that this Ethiopian discovered on this day. He went on his way rejoicing. I could just imagine him. He's on a chariot, but sort of dancing, like David, dancing. My goodness, this scripture has been opened. The truth of this scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent. That that was opened up to him. His eyes were opened up to the truth. You know, I really, really liked what Steve said, um, you know, last week about the society that we are living in. We are living in a post-truth society. People don't want to know the truth. People aren't interested in the truth. And it's really hard to talk to people about truth if people don't want to know it, if people don't even think that there's truth. You know, it's all relative. Relative. What's what's right for me? Actually, it can be right. Something totally different could be right for you, and that's okay. How can you explain truth to somebody that to somebody that's just totally truth is obsolete? Almost, it's hard. It's hard. So, Philip got taken away at this moment. And he preached the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So today, (laughs) I wanted to talk about dynamic growth. Dynamic growth. And you know, I think I was intending to talk about it in three ways. Dynamic growth through persecution in the fact that persecution we see a lot of persecution steve talked about it you know and expand on that a bit last week but there is a lot of persecution in the world today and we're seeing lots of people the migration is the biggest and the largest it's ever been in the world today because of persecution i mean i was looking at some statistics and you know, if you look at asylum seekers and people that are being displaced, and the graph is sort of steadily going up over the last decade, but even the last two years, it sort of shoots up. People are being persecuted in, a, in such a large scale around the world, and particularly Christians are being persecuted. And um, we, as a church, we give to lots of charities Um, as part of our our giving. And we have been given to a charity called Open Doors, which is a charity that supports um, Christians who are being persecuted around the world. And this is what Lisa Pierce, um, the CEO of Open Doors, said this year. There are many millions more Christians today who are afraid to go to church or no longer have a church to go to, who have been brutalized, lost their dignity or their freedom, There are many who are mourning over recently lost loved ones. The trend is stark as are the consequences for people um, who experience persecution. But there is hope. There is hope because in many parts of the world, despite the pressure and often terrible cost, the church continues to grow. There is hope Because in countries such as Syria, Christian communities are reaching out, caring for and providing for many around them. There is always hope, and yet we are unmarked territory. The pace and scale of persecution of Christians is unprecedented and growing fast. I really like what she points out, that the church continues to grow. China's another example of the church growing amidst persecution. At the New Ground Prayer and Equipping that we had a couple of weeks ago, a few of um, you were there, we had two days of praying with other churches of New Ground, praying for different church plants, different things going on um, within the New Ground sphere. And Dave Holden told us of two Chinese pastors who had come to share about what was happening in China today. And these two pastors were seeing and talking about um, the fact that they were seeing 10,000 people coming to Christ every day. Isn't that amazing? God is doing something in China, 10,000 people. Now, China is fairly big. So if you think of comparisons, so just to give you an idea of comparisons, that would be equivalent, the size of the UK of 469 people coming to Christ in the UK every day. I think if we saw that, we would think that revival was happening in the UK. Now, I know that there are many coming to Christ every day across the UK in different churches um, and things that are going on. But the church is growing. The church is growing. Where there's paces of persecution... There's often many coming to faith, and the church grows. Now, I'm aware of the time. So what I want to do is I just want to make a couple more points related to the church and growing. Growth comes in persecution. Growth comes to us individually as we surrender our hearts to Christ as we surrender our hearts to Christ. In the passage we just heard, we see and hear of a man whose heart is not completely surrendered to God. And his name was Simon. Simon saw Peter and John praying for people. And through them, God empowered people in the Holy Spirit. And Simon wanted to have this gift for himself in order for the power to work through him. He wasn't thinking of those he was praying for. He was solely interested in having the gift for himself. And I'm thinking to myself that sometimes my motivations are never quite as pure as I want them to be. And my prayer is that we need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to our own hearts to help us individually to know what the sin is that holds us back in hindering the work of God. Because I think that God has great things for this church. I really do. And I think that there is a growth that happens first in our own hearts. I really feel that even a year ago, God said that as you give me your heart... I will give you the hearts of those in your community. So just, you know, just a moment, really, just to reflect. Is there anything in your heart that you know is hindering the Holy Spirit? As we surrender our hearts completely to Christ, God will use us. In fact, it's all about being all that God's called us to be. He has a perfect plan for us. He is for us. And if there's anything getting in the way, just lay it at the cross and you will find that you become so freer and and full of the Spirit and walking in the great things that he has for you. And then finally, growth comes through a spirit-filled believer stepping out in faith. Philip gets visited by an angel and he's told to go down to the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. And, um, Abby, can you share in just one moment how God has led you, this week even, in speaking to you and the Holy Spirit? So as we spoke earlier, God sort of arrested Philip, told him to go down to this road, and while he was there, again, the Holy Spirit spoke to him And he was able to lead this Ethiopian to Christ.
1: I I didn't do that this week. (laughs) Um, um, So, uh, yeah. Obedience and uh, wanting to grow in walking out of fear of man, uh, which essentially means that I'm wanting to know that my approval comes first and foremost from God and not from... um, any of you lot or um, anyone else and um, so I was in Sainsbury's and um, I was in the cafe with my wonderful mum and we were chatting and uh, I just over the way saw this mum with her two girls and she just was being so caring, so calm, so patient And I just felt, you know, encouragement is a way that we bring God's kingdom. So I just thought, I felt my heart quicken, and I just thought, I need to be obedient and go and encourage this mum. So as she was getting up to leave, I just ran up to her, and I just said a few words about what I'd seen in how she was being to her children, and then she went on her way. Nothing else happened, but... I encouraged her, and I felt that I brought something of God to her that day.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So stepping out in faith and speaking the word of God into someone's life, you don't know the difference it will make. You don't know the difference it will make to someone's life. Now, we don't know where this lady is now. But... What we notice from this passage is that these Jewish believers that went from Jerusalem, they preached the words. They spoke the truth. And I think it's, God is calling us to be proclaimers of the truth, to speak the truth. So my prayer is that you know, each of us this coming week will speak truth into someone's life, into someone's situation. Because each of us is carrying the truth of God in our hearts. The Holy Spirit empowers us to step out in faith. So growth comes, as we see in this passage, when persecution comes. Growth comes when we surrender our hearts to Christ. And growth comes when we step out in faith. You know, it might be that that person... You know, you see them again. Who knows what God's going to do? But growth will, numerical growth, growth is inevitable as we step out in faith, as we trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us and will take us and lead us in how we might step out in faith. For every one of us, it will be different. For me, it would be going up to somebody in the shop and saying something. As scary as I would still find it, I feel God leads me. God has spoken to me before, and I spoke to somebody on a train. I have done it, and it's been a terrifying experience, and it's not gone particularly, well, I mean, he received it, and he went on again. But my prayer is that that will happen more often, that every week God will speak to me about who I speak to on a train, and that I'd see fruit, and I'd see people come to faith as a result of it. So can I ask the band to come up?